So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. Welcome, everybody, to Cash Flow to Freedom. I am your host, A.J. Osborne, and I am so excited about our guest today because, well, for, for a lot of reasons, but he is from Kansas City, and that's where his stomping grounds are. That's where he's investing in multifamily and everything. And the reason that makes me excited is I've got a deal that we are closing um, very soon in Kansas City, and it's a great deal. And also, that is where my wife is from. So um, it's always fun for me to talk to to people out there. And I'm excited to hear, a, um, we've we've had a podcast and I really want everybody to listen to this, this podcast because it's really important. I have so many people that talk about um, investing out of state. And this is really important. And we had a guest that um, we talked a lot about. This was something that has always been of interest to me because out West, um, we have markets that cash flow basically doesn't exist in a lot of ways. And so out, you know, in the Midwest, there's a lot more opportunity to get cash flowing uh, good deals. And Logan Freeman teaches us how um, to not, it's not just out-of-state investing, but helps people build teams around that, get properties. He does multifamily and everything. So with that, I'm going to stop going on about it because I'm excited, but we'll bring him on. And uh, Logan, thanks for joining us. Man, thank you so much for having me and just huge congratulations. I am not going to blow your cover, but I am so excited that I was able to share that moment with you for the first time meeting. That is so cool. And we already found all these awesome connections to Kansas City that we already had. So, so cool. Thanks. And uh, what he's talking about, it's kind of funny because as we were getting ready for the podcast, get yourself, <laughs> I got an alert that... Uh, the book that we released hit a bestseller. And so Logan was the first one here to share it with me. (laughs) Yeah, that is awesome, man. I love that. Yeah. But anyway, so we, you know, you're out there in Kansas city. Um, you know, I, these, the Midwest market, um, in Kansas, I feel is the epicenter for, um, coastal markets and booming markets, Yep. Um, to start to look and reframe um, their investing strategy where a lot of people feel, you know, priced out of the markets. But here, before we get into how you execute, how you build teams, how sure. you you do this, why don't you give people a, a little background on you, your focus area sure. and the assets you invest in and how you got started in this? Absolutely. And, you know, I won't get in too in depth in the story, but the story that I'm going to share with you guys is really instrumental to, to understanding who I am as a person. And I grew up in, in a city that's actually two and a half hours, I guess it would be east of here, right in the middle of Missouri, and it's the capital, so Jefferson City, Missouri. And I was an athlete from high school all the way up to college, and I was picked up as an undrafted free agent uh, with Oakland Raiders. And so I went out to camp. I was cut a couple months into that whole process. And at that time, I decided I wanted to go use my brain instead of my, you know, bronze to to make some money. And so I went back to school and I finished my master's program. But when I was at the NFL Combine, I was 335 pounds. And if you're watching this, I'm not quite that heavy anymore. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm easy with the kids coming, you know, the, I, the, those weight just keeps kind of going up and up. But I'm definitely not 
335 pounds anymore, but I had lost 120 pounds. I took a job, so I had night school, and I took a job to pay the tuition uh, during the day. So I, I got my first business job as you know, while I was finishing my master's program, and it was to make 250, 265 cold calls a day, uh, selling just straight up data to vendors. It was one of the toughest jobs that I've ever had. But what that taught me was uh, persistence and how to use the phone to build business. Um, but it was an hour drive to that to that job. And so during that hour, I used that time to listen to podcasts, to listen to books, and to really work on myself. And uh, and I also dove back into my faith very heavily at this time. And so I kind of used what Zig Ziglar called the, the classroom on wheels, right? And so I created the classroom on wheels for myself. Um, but during this period of time, I had a big physical transformation. I was also going through a big mental transformation, but I was also going through an identity crisis. If you think about it as athletes, you know, you, you have what you're doing all the time. It's all pointing towards, you know, this one common goal of, you know, playing collegiate football, but 0.01% of collegiate football players go on to play in the NFL. So it's like most of the time people don't get the chance to go play in the NFL. And so uh, I had that great chance. It didn't work out. That was fine. But I had this identity crisis, like, okay, who am I as an individual and, and, and as a person? And thankfully I found all these books. I, I found my faith back again at that time, which was, was fantastic to kind of build up my identity. Another big kind of, I think, changing point during this period of time my father had been battling drugs and alcohol addiction his whole life. Well, it all came to a head uh, in a matter of two and a half weeks. My father lost his life. So he went from helping me move out of my college uh, apartment uh, two and a half weeks later from, from him, you know, not being on this planet anymore. So uh, that really showed me, um, you know, that life is fickle and life is choices. And so I had, again, a big decision point on which route I wanted to take my life. Thankfully, I had started to work on myself and, and really figure out who I wanted to be as an individual. And so when I moved to Kansas City, I started to buy some real estate, right? You know, I, I had saved up money. I've been working since I was 14 years old. And so I had some money saved up. And, and so I, I bought some real estate, mostly live in flips. So I would live in the houses for two years uh, so I didn't have to pay capital gains. I would have a renter or one of my buddies would rent out one of the rooms uh, and then I would just pay for the utilities. And, you know, when I did one of those transactions on the first one, I made more than what my salary was at the job that I was working at at the time. And that light bulb kind of went off. I was like, hmm, there's something to this. Um, but, you know, started to continue to work and change jobs a couple of times, met my 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 wife that is my wife now. So I, I kind of stopped investing into real estate and just kind of accumulating capital. Well, three years ago is when another big kind of decision point or, or, or I guess change in my life happened. I came into my cushy, you know, comfortable six-figure sales director job in Kansas City and uh, I got fired and and just out of the blue, just, hey, Logan, you know, this isn't working. You're gone. So uh, <laughs> I had just been married. Um, you know, we were trying to set up a life together. My wife had just accepted a new job and now I'm fired. And so I called her and I said, hey, sweetie, you know, I got fired. And she was like, well, uh, you know, I, I support you on what you do. We're going to make it through this. Just check your email whenever you get home. So I checked my email and, you know, lo and behold, she had already started my LLC, which is now Live Free Investments for me. She said, you go do what you want to do and uh, I'm going to support you up to, the, up to that point. And so that was incredible. I had my support of my, uh, my biggest cheerleader and, and thankfully we were um, highly cash flow positive since, uh, you know, the, the first month, which was wonderful. But my real estate journey has changed um, since three years ago. But that's kind of how I got into real estate. That's a little bit of my background. I hope that that probably helps. Yeah, that's, you know, it's so interesting. I, one of the reasons I, I 
love doing podcasts is I get to hear other people's journeys. And yep. when it's so interesting to me how, you know, even my story and others, how um, some of the, the worst things in life or what we feel at the time are the worst things in life are actually the best things. And they, they really lead us down a path that right. it's almost like we should have been going down that path anyways. And uh, we weren't. And it took something bad right, or what we viewed as bad at the time to knock us on yeah. the right course. And I feel like, you know, for so many people, they need to learn that when when things like that that happen, that jolt you, um, and sometimes to the core, as opposed to just saying, I'm just going to, you know, brush myself off and jump back on and keep going yep. in the same direction, you need to jump up, brush yourself off, and look at the options in front of you. Look, Absolutely. You need to look inside and say, hold on. Maybe I'm not meant to be going down this path, period. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, you know, not something that a lot of people um, do and utilize. And I understand right. this because, you know, when you're talking about even in you, you mentioned a lot of struggles here, but the inner turmoil of losing your identity um, as you move from being an athlete right. to saying this is not an option. That's a struggle. Like, and I, sure. and I think most of the struggles we have, the hardest ones are internal, but that kind of loss of identity, especially, I mean, you were, you know, you were young, but as you get older, um, that can be devastating. There's a great Absolutely. book called, um, I don't know if you've ever read it. Who moved my cheese? Um, I have. yeah, you read it. That's a great book. And it talks Required about change. reading at Jimmy John's actually. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. You have to read it. If you're going to be a franchise consultant, you have to read that book. And not only that one, there's, you know, three or four now that they've written and they're all great. But that first one was the, the required reading. Yeah, it's um, and it's and it's such an important principle. And I love your story because it shows how that applies and how yep. um, instead of victimizing yourself and saying this isn't fair, I should have gotten drafted. I shouldn't have gotten fired. Mm -hmm. It's no this is the way it is. This means something. I need to look at, uh, into other options. And you turn that into success. So walk through real quick here with us. Talk about you, you, after you've been fired, you got this new LLC set up. You're ready to go. What did you first go into? It was the single family homes. You waited, um, you know, and it, did you just focus purely on single families? How fast did you grow? How many deals? Yeah. Like what, what? After that point of change into your real estate world, how'd that unfold and how long did it take? And was it an immediate success? And was it immediately I knew or how, how, yeah, how'd that unfold? Absolutely. One point I wanted to make that, that just, I think, uh, exemplifies what you said is that, you know, breakdowns can be breakthroughs in disguise if you treat them the right way. And, and that's all that there is, is, is choices. Viktor Frankl wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And that book, you know, he was in Auschwitz. I mean, the worst of worst conditions. But he, he has a quote that says, between a stimulus and a response is an opportunity for you to make a choice. 
And if you can control that small little opportunity, you can control the destination or at least how you feel about life. So I just kind of wanted to I love that. To, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. What, what's that, that that's the whole, it's called Victor Frankl's man's search for meaning. Um, he was a, he was a he was in, in the concentration camps and um, was able to survive, lost his whole family, but was able to survive because um, they, he said, they can take my body. They can take my family. They can take my possessions. They can take my clothes, but they can't take my soul. And he, he made that one decision. It's an incredible story and an incredible book. But um, in, in Crucial Conversations is a book that's based on those principles and how to kind of use those in the 21st century. So uh, I love that that book. The guys at Vital Smarts wrote that as well. Um, so, you know, when I when I started my company, I wasn't sold on real estate. And what I mean by that is I wanted another income source. And so I took all of this sales training and uh, sales skills that I had. And I said, I think I can build a business around this helping small businesses. So what did I do? I grabbed the Inc's 5,000's fastest growing companies list. I cataloged you know, all of the business owners and I started making cold calls. In less than two weeks, I had three full-time sales consulting clients um, as a business as well. And they said, well, Logan, what do you do? And I said, well, whatever you need me to do. So I was training salespeople, flying around the country, going to different conferences and trade shows, pitching their products. I was building CRM systems that I was just brokering that out to people I would find on Upwork. I mean, it was crazy. But at the same time, I took the head of acquisitions position for a $50 million fund here in Kansas City, and they were buying single family homes. And my first month, I did eight transactions on, on the single family home side. And so in 10 months, I did over 100 transactions for that, for that single family home fund here in Kansas City. So I had two businesses going on. And six months into this, I guess it would be, you know, the end of June, my wife looked at me and she said, you know, wow, you know, very, you know, I, I always believed in you, but holy cow, man, you, you've really blown it out of the water, but you need to focus. All you do is complain about this consulting and all you do is talk about real estate. Why don't you focus on real estate? And so that's when I dissolved the consulting business that took two or three months, I would say. And then I, I took the money that I had been making um, from the real estate business and I started to buy some commercial and multifamily properties. I know I knew I never wanted to be in the single family home world. However, you know, it was a great opportunity and Kansas City was positioned perfectly to be able to, to ride that wave while I could. And uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that that fund um, did the buy, renovate, rent out, refinance and repeat model across 265 houses. And we helped them do a Corvest portfolio refinance across their whole portfolio. They returned their investors capital and they're still cash flowing. So we bought right and we financed it right. So I'm really happy about that success. But I took that and I went and bought some multifamily and commercial properties uh, by myself. And so when I did that, I learned all of the different facets of, of real estate from acquiring the property, sourcing it, acquiring it, financing it, managing the construction, and then actually managing the property. I cataloged that and I said, man, I really enjoyed finding the property and getting it financed. I really did not enjoy managing construction and managing the asset. So what if I could find a way where I could partner with people that could do that, that and I could just continue to do what I'm good at? Okay, and hold, hold when, on. I got I to stop absolutely. you. Absolutely. I got to stop you. This is such good stuff. We get we got to break down. So you're talking about something that I literally just talked about a couple weeks on, ago on the Bigger Pockets podcast where yep. me and Brandon were talking about, I, I, I call it audit your day. 
And this people, you you really need to look at this and understand this. It was a way that this was change game changing for me. Um, and understanding where I, I love this catalog. Um, I do the same thing. I, I broke down all the functions of my business and all the functions that, um, and then t- from the functions of the business, then I prioritized them. Sure. And then from there, I really looked at what I liked mm-hmm. and what I was good at. And then Absolutely. I broke them down in those categories. And that left me with um, a list of where I needed help, where I needed to bring in the right people, sure. and where I needed to focus my time. And when... By doing this, I, I create a system, what I, what I call high-impact investing. And that's where I focus on the things that gave me the greatest impact. Sure. Right? And everybody, what he just explained is that exact same concept you've probably heard on my podcast talk about before. But yep. it, it is this introspection and this real look in the mirror to say, not only what do I like, what am I good at, and how that – walk us through that how what what was your results how did you what were you looking at and what changes did you make after you've done this self-audit sure you know i i i call these authors uh mentors because they they have been mentors in my life one of them is stephen covey you know the seven habits of highly effective people he has his quadrant where he breaks down what's important, not important, what's urgent, what's not urgent, right? And so I kind of took that same piece and I married it with a Japanese um, model called Ikijai. And I think I probably did not spell that or pronounce that right, but it's I-K-I-G-A-I. And basically it's finding your sweet spot where your greatest passion intersects with your greatest strength and find the functions of your business that give you uh, that ability to work in that sweet spot. And so I married the, the quadrant with this Japanese model of Ikijai. And I said, okay, well, what's Logan's sweet spot? And that, that took a lot of time. It took a lot of effort. I asked a lot of hard, you know, people that were close to me hard questions. And I wanted honest feedback because you don't see the world as it is. You see, you see it as you see it, right? And so my wife helped me through that. These mentors and authors helped me through that. But I also went to some of my trusted advisors and or colleagues and said, what do you think I'm really good at? And I got some really candid feedback and I did it over email, not over uh, face-to-face because I wanted them to be able to really think through their thoughts and not just try to make me feel good when they talked. And through that, I realized that I'm a sales and marketing guy. I'm a sales and marketing guy. I love to build relationships. My greatest strength is individualization. Um, if you take Strength Finders 2.0, they'll, they'll give you an assessment of your top five talents and if cultivated can become your strengths. And my top, my top talent is individualization, meaning I can understand where somebody's at in their life, what's, what's paining them, what's, what's working for them, where they're struggling, where they're having successes, and how they're feeling emotionally. And then I can pair what I'm saying and or doing to help that person in that moment. And it's not something that comes naturally to a lot of people. Uh, having individualization as number one is, is not very common. Uh, and then so I started to read books about that emotional intelligence, Daniel Goldman. I started to read C- Crucial Conversations to take that talent because it was a you know, God-given talent. It wasn't a strength yet to become a strength, but a lot of that is self-awareness. 
you know, you can't give what you don't have. And if you don't have self-awareness, you can't do self-management and or relationship management and social awareness. So okay, hold, I had hold on just a second. I, I want to break that down too. So, absolutely. Um, I, I loved what you said, and I've never heard anybody say it like that um, because it is so true. And, and I, the way that you, you presented it just formulated a, an image, and I'm a visual, this idea that you have talents that are given but they're not strengths. No. And when you look at, and you know, maybe this is especially because of your athletic background, but when you look at people like Michael Jordan, things like that, they had talent. There was talent there, but if they didn't work every single day, you know, the stories of Michael uh, Jordan when he was little and how much he would practice. Absolutely. Most people will never ever ever even get close to that much work that's right and he's one of the most talented basketball players to ever live if All not time. the most yeah. <laughs> so it's 100%. um when you look at that you say a lot of people dismiss it and say oh yeah well but he's so talented and it's how many times do we have things that we're talented in but never become our strengths and you are a uh, uh uh, man of faith and I, um, as well as I, and there's a parable about this. And this was a parable that, um, you know, is always been important to me is, is, is in that we are given talents, but those talents, only what we do with them. That's right. Make the difference. So you can't bury them in the ground. Exactly. And so, um, yeah, well, actually, why don't you talk a little bit about that parable as we're talking on the subject because it it's awesome I, I i love it it's it's a great example here yeah well i i think it it relates to everybody's life i mean and i'll, I'll relate this to maybe a 21st century uh a story here crossfitters are typically talented individuals right i mean yes. they they probably have a muscle density that not everybody has and i'm talking the top of the top guys but yep. those people work so, so hard. hard but if you give them a basketball and tell them to shoot they won't hit the rim. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, they won't hit the rim. They might have all the talent in the world, but they figured out where they can direct that to. I Mother Teresa that. was one of the most talented individuals ever. However, if you give her a basketball and say dunk, that's never going to happen. She was four foot five. And so she's not going to be able to dunk a basketball. So you have to realize what those talents are. And then if you can develop those talents, they can become those strengths. But the parable talks about, okay, each you know servant, so to speak, uh, back in the day was given a certain amount of treasure or talents from a landowner. And a few of those, those servants went and invested those uh, talents and created uh, what we'll call compound interest, right? Yes. And so that uh-huh. compounded interest uh, then was, was able to be returned to the landowner. But one individual decided he was so fearful in his life that, he, and that the landowner was a shrewd landowner. And so he, he didn't want to lose the money. And so he just buried it in the ground. And when he, the landowner came back, the other people gave the, the landowner their talents back with interest. I'm sure they got to keep it a little bit. But that one individual who had just buried it, he gave it back and was very happy, said, hey, here's your talents back. And the, the landowner was absolutely, you know, extremely mad about that because he had just buried it in the ground. He didn't use what he was given to actually make more and have an impact. And so that's very relatable to today's 
very relatable. And I, and I love, too, because it's also a principle of economics. And so when you look about your skills and your talents that you have and deploying them into the economy, whether that's investing or whatnot, you also need to be looking at, for example, your return. So this Absolutely. is a three-part system in getting started and what you've done. And, and, I, and I know this is kind of basic stuff maybe to some people, but for a lot of people, they don't have a format to get started off of. So how you yep. looked at your talents, which I, I just love, you got feedback. So you got outside people because all of us have biases, right? Yes. All of us do. And all of us have the most biases about ourselves. And so, <laughs> so um, when you got an outside person to audit you and confirm, and you got multiple people. I did. And then you looked at that compared to your own to figure it out. Then you identified those talents. Then you had to figure out what to do with them. Now, yes. this is really important. We talk a lot about this on the podcast because this is opportunity. So, not everyone has the same opportunities, but everyone has opportunities. And mm -hmm. that's the story in the parable. Everyone's given talents. That's everyone. Right. And if you deny yourself saying that I don't have talents, that is ridiculous. So that's right. first of all, that's, that's just ridiculous. You got to get rid of that. Then third, it's what you do with those talents, the impact it has on others and uh, and two, the interest that is received and got from them. It's a three-part right. system that every every successful person goes through in one way or another. Most of it uh, goes through it in hard times because yeah. that really is, it shows us, right? That's when exactly. we, hard times bring out parts of us that we ignore mm -hmm. and the hard times we have to face it head on. I mean, that's, that's how right. it was for me. The worst time in my life was a bad business deal that almost tanked everything. Yep. And that brought to the surface a lot of my weak spots and yeah. things that I was doing I should have never been doing and um in it, 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 I had to face it because now I'm in the situation. I can't ignore it. I can't put it in the back, right? Yep. And so it's better to do what you did and not have to go through all the damage to face it. But now now you figured out what you're good at. How That's did right. you put this to work in investing? How how did you take your talents that you've been given? And what did you do with these things? And yeah. how'd you find a niche? Because that's a part that I think a lot of people, they can't seem to figure out. How do I right. put my talents to work? Yes. I mean, it's, it's extremely important. And thankfully, there's, there's assessments out there that will give you some guidance to do that. And if you think it's all you know, personal development, guru-ish, it's not. There's some really good things out there that can help you understand who you are as a person and build upon that. Um, so uh, the way that I did this was through masterminds. And so what I would do, and I read, you know, Thinking Grow Rich, you know, I got the workbook right here. And so I would read these books and I would then take the books and I would write book reviews on the ones that really impacted me. And so I wrote these book reviews only because I wanted to apply the knowledge that I had learned. Knowledge is not power. Knowledge is potential power. Knowledge plus action is power. And so I took these books and then I created um, masterminds here in Kansas City with individuals that I felt like 
We're trying to level up. And there's this theory, and I forget what the theory is called. Um, it might be the proximity principle, but the proximity principle works in two ways. If you're around really great people, you're probably going to get lifted up. But if you're around really kind of, you know, mediocre and comfortable people, you're probably going to get lifted down or, or brought down. And when you try, so whenever I left college, you know, I left that social circle and that peer group. When I started to try to elevate myself, there was one or two guys and gals that were trying to, you know, cut my feet out underneath me. And I had to, I had to kind of just finally say, you know what, you're going to stay where you're at and that's okay. Because I would try to reach back down to that other peer group and bring them up. And I realized it has to start within. And, and I, and I kind of became this guy that was you know, a little bit abrasive because I was like, well, why are you going to a bar, you know, you know, you know, drinking beers and getting drunk whenever you are trying to make your bills, you know, like go work on yourself. But that wasn't the right thing for me to do. And so, and I now realized that. So I got a new peer group. I started to become a producer. Here's a big, big tip. I was not just a consumer of other people's knowledge and other people's, um, you know, groups and things. I said, okay, well, if I want to learn, the best way to learn is to be able to teach it to somebody else. So I found peer groups that were wanting to learn. I led them, which kept me very accountable. And then that started to really continue to elevate myself. And, and so I took that and that's how I kind of applied those talents into strengths because I was really open. I was, I'm an athlete. To be a successful athlete, you have to be coachable. And so you have to be able to take feedback in the right way, delineate between what you're hearing from somebody and how you're feeling. And then you can actually get some objective, uh, rational things from those from those okay. folks. So I, I, hold on, I, I got to break down. You're, you just absolutely. you can't throw gold nuggets like this at us and not <laughs> let us just take a look at them. I love, so I love it. Um, it. Okay, first of all, I want to talk to everybody that is saying anybody anybody that's listening to this saying this is too basic or whatnot. These are the things that topple the mightiest. And let me repeat that: these are the things that successful people fall into and it collapses them. I've seen this time and time and time again. Yep. It is not a start to figure out your path. It is an ongoing process. And 100%. every time that I've ever forgot, and I always do, and I start to fall into old traps, I start to get into things I shouldn't be uh, getting into as far as like in the business, I there's sure. better people that I need to have them doing things. I can't micromanage. I got to you know, I got to be coachable still because change is the name of the game. And those right. that don't change because they're not coachable, they think that they know what they're doing. They forget all these things. They fall. They crumble. Yep. And I, I, I don't want that to happen to me. That that that's act that is the opposite of progress so that's right. um there's a few things that you kind of mentioned through this whole part that i think are really really important um you talk about the application of knowledge now there are a difference and when i so i went through a little phase where i i was obsessed with this so i started doing some funny things it was at the time it made a lot of sense but I yeah. realized, listen, there are producers and consumers. And I felt at the time when I was younger, I am just a consumer. Sure. And so then I got on this thing where I'm like, anything at all that I consume, I also want to produce, which is obviously not logical. But <laughs> um, but it, 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 it was trying me trying to shift that mindset. Sure. And sure. the potential power of knowledge. And we, we, it was funny because you're hitting on so many things that we talked about on the bigger parts podcast because they're so important, but there's, there's this balancing act 
and yeah. you, you've done a great job describing it. As I, as I get knowledge, I need to apply knowledge. And we see this in academia, and it's one of the problems that I have with academia, is they consume knowledge, they regurgitate knowledge, but they don't apply it. That's right. And when that happens, the knowledge is not a true knowledge. It's tainted. It's not real. Because unless it's been applied, and all they're doing is showing examples of what other people have applied, and you're not actually getting the full picture. So then when you try to go and repeat that and apply it, it doesn't work, and you don't know why. And so when you're gaining knowledge, applying that knowledge in action is a it's like a sandwich effect, right? You got your peanut butter and your jelly. You don't have a peanut butter jelly sandwich until you put them both together. And it's, you can't just consume knowledge and you just can't do, you got to do both. Yes. And that's what creates actual results. Yep. So anyways, continue. That was just so good. You did an awesome job there. I think there's a quote and I don't remember who said it, but it's always stuck with me to, to know and not to do is really not to know. And so it's so important to apply what you're, what you're learning. And so through the peer groups, you know, I realized I was good at building relationships. I was good at discipline and focus. I was good at uh, individualization. And um, I figured out a way to take those strengths and then apply it to what I'll call a vehicle that has been successful for thousands of years. And that vehicle is commercial real estate. And so I read about all of these guys that were owning businesses, owning real estate. I got on the phone and I called three or four of my mentors that have had very big impacts in my life. And I would ask them, I'm like, hey, I know we didn't really ever talk about this growing up, but um, you know, what do you invest in? And they're like, well, we have our equities, but we also have this business. Oh, and then we also have 45 rentals. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, and, and that rang true through all four of those gentlemen. And so I was like, okay, my validation from reading the books has been validated with mentors that I trust that are successful living lives that I would love to get to. And I think this is the right vehicle. Uh, parlay that with right timing, the right market, and the right relationships here in Kansas City. It was a perfect storm of me going into commercial real estate. And I, I've never done you know real estate before, really, other than single family homes. And I just kind of threw it in the back of my mind and didn't think about it. Three years ago, whenever we started this, she goes, remember four years ago, whenever I said, you'd be really good at commercial real estate. Now look at what you're doing. So she saw it. She's very, her top talent is strategic. So she's very strategic. And so uh, I, I have a lot of, of gratitude for, for my wife and, and how she's directed me uh, in my life. But um, that made a perfect storm. And that's where I forayed into the full time of the head of acquisitions with that $50 million fund. And then, you know, I think that what I was able to do was was create a recipe for success. And a recipe is a recipe that you have to you have to tweak it over over time. But what I knew in in Kansas City, I knew that the the, there were certain neighborhoods that met the criteria that we were interested in. I knew that speed to market was very, very important. And I knew that uh, being able to clearly communicate in a concise and compelling way was very, very important. So I started to study negotiation. I started to study uh, how to make offers on properties. I started to study how to find off-market deals. And that's the recipe that I created. So I have different variables, right? So there was variables of sourcing the product, uh, estimating the rehab, 
actually getting it to close uh, and negotiating the transaction. So I took every single one of those variables, I broke it down and I became extremely competent in every single one of them. And then it was just simply working the plan. You have to plan the work and then work the plan. So that's where my discipline and focus came to came to really ahead. So, I mean, I was looking at 10 or 15 houses a day, driving my car, estimating the rehabs, proforming every single property and then getting them sold. And when I would show up, there'd be a residential agent showing up with with a with a buyer client in in, you know, with them. And they, they would know who I was because I was very well known in these these certain sub markets. And they would say, Logan, will you at least give us an opportunity to make an offer? And I, <laughs> and I just frankly said, no, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to have an offer within the next hour and a half to this, uh, to this owner. So it was just finding out what that recipe was and then creating um, a plan to actually work that recipe. I love that. Now walk us yeah. through your first deal. Okay, so the first deal that I bought was a mixed use asset here in Kansas City. And it was a uh, component of retail. It had a bagel shop in the, in the bottom floor, and then it had two Airbnbs on top. I think the deal was about $600,000. It was the first deal I ever bought as an investment. I didn't have all of the money that I needed uh, to buy that first deal, or at least I didn't want to put it all down on one property. And so I started, that's when I had been reading books about syndication and how to structure properties uh, and projects. And so I pulled out, I forget which book it was, but I pulled out a book when I was talking to one of my investors in California who wanted, who was interested in the property as well. And he said, you know, I'm just, I'm just not sold on being able to manage an Airbnb from California. I said, Hey, no worries. What if we structured the property like this? 70% ownership to you, 30% ownership to me. We'll do a eight and a half percent preferred return. I'll manage the property and you'll take the, the checks after that. And you'll put this much down. I'll put this much down. You'll sign on the loan and we'll be good. How does that sound to you? And he said, well, I didn't know you could structure it that way, but that sounds wonderful. And that was the first deal that I bought. Um, through what I'll call just creative uh, thoughts and processes from learning uh, a book, out of a book. I literally read out of the book while I was talking on the phone with him. Okay, that's just crazy Um, (laughs) and and awesome. And so uh, walk us through, I mean, when you identified this deal, what were the key aspects? Like how did you, when you looked at it, what did you see as saying, this deal has some good opportunity. And why did that deal stick out to you? Well, it was unique in the sense of where it was located. And okay. it's very close to KU Med here in Kansas City. And I knew KU Med was making a huge bet on the 39th uh, corridor in the 39th Street corridor. I also grew up going to the Jazz, which is a restaurant over there. And I watched that area develop from being this kind of weird, not very safe area to the now the hipster. So I follow the artists and the musicians in the city. Uh, I go to the Crossroads. That was my second deal. That's artists and his, you know, and, and, and musicians. So I follow these people because they know where the, they, they, they just all seem to, to go to the areas that are going to be doing well in the near future. I don't know if that rings true in, in other markets or not, but, uh, and so I saw tons of artists, tons of, of festivals going on in this area that parlayed with KU med, you know, buying all the land around there and building, uh, you know, $25 million facility, whatever it is. I'm sure it's actually more than that. I don't know what it was, but, uh, and I said, this area is going to be really, really good. So that was the, that was the first component. The second component was 
there was less buyers for that type of product because of the operational component to it. So I had less competition and I wasn't bid up on the deal. Awesome. I, I love that. So many people talk when they're looking at investments in real estate. They're like, the competition is so, so much. Prices are driven up. They're like, I don't know how I'm going to compete. I don't know what I'm going to do. I love the fact that you actually looked at a deal that was harder for others to do. And that's where you got your niche. Um, I'm under, you know, almost under contract. We should be signing the next day too. On a property the <laughs> same way. Um, a lot of investors didn't, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't know what to do with the deal. Sure. Right. It, there was some layers of complexity in the deal that created a little uncertainty and way more work. I'm a hundred percent okay with work. Like work doesn't sure. bother me at all. So for us, when we started looking at the deal, I'm going, it, this, it doesn't make sense because the uncertainty can be mitigated. The work can be done yet we're treating this as if its valuation is substantially lower, sure. although that's not true. And so for me, I'm like, uh, we can mitigate uncertainty. We can manage the work yet. We get a discount of, you know, huge, like 40%. Yeah. Well, why wouldn't I do that all day? And that's right. no one's competing for that deal. Yep. And so it's, you know, a lot of times it's just where you're looking. And, and we talk about everybody has talents, right? Everybody has opportunities. One of the biggest opportunities that particularly young people, people starting out have is you can work and will do things that most bigger people and things they won't do. Perfect example right. is, you know, there's a lot of deals in commercial real estate that are small that I'm not even going to look at. Yep. They could be great deals. They're just too small for me. So the time put into it isn't worth, right? right. The juice isn't worth the squeeze for me. But for small investors, it is. And they can actually get superior is. returns yep. than the large investors can. And it, that is something that people discount massively, which when we're talking money, you're talking about the return that you can get. That's right. Go to where there's superior term, uh, uh, returns where other people aren't going and work a little harder. So I, yep. I love that concept. And that's how you got yeah. your foot in the door. Absolutely. And I've used that same concept to buy over 550 units in Kansas City now. And so, I mean, we've, amazing. we've just, we just identified things that people were not willing to do the work on that we were, and we would go find the folks that can help us solve the problem. And then we solved it. And then we got a major discount the same exact way. So I think that's a repeatable process and recipe that people can use. No, that's awesome. Now you've, how quick did you accumulate all these properties? Yeah, I've only, so we've got, are they all the hotels. same? Are they all Airbnb or? No, no. So we've got uh, the, the only Airbnb property I, I bought was the first one that we, we purchased. Then I went out and syndicated uh, two boutique kind of bed and breakfast hotels on the Kansas City Country Club Plaza that we own today. We did an office park. We've done, uh, like I mentioned, 550 multifamily, just, you know, market rate multifamily properties. Um, and we were looking at some self-storage as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, and that's, that's in a matter of, you know, the last 18 months. That's amazing. Yeah. That's, yeah. So that's incredible. It's been a quick, uh, quick, you know, I guess, you know, jump into the, the commercial and multifamily space, but it's because I put myself around people who've been doing it for 15 plus years and I solved a problem for those people. 
And so their problem was deal flow and capital. I solved that for them. They have the track record and the balance sheet and we were off to the races. That's awesome. Um, Tell me, uh, walk me through this. Uh, So we got to hit on something that this is just because I want to talk about it. Um, So you mentioned to me that you actually had a deal that didn't go good. Yeah. Didn't go good at all. And it's a self-storage deal. So I am super interested because that's the name of my game. So your success is incredible. And what you've done, who you are, walk us through when it didn't go incredible. Yeah. So we, you know, you, you get this Midas touch feeling whenever you're starting to have success that everything you touch is going to go to gold. And, and I have the, the mentality that uh, we can get anything done, right? Well, there was a few factors on this deal that I think I learned about why we weren't able to succeed. And it was after I read Oren Clough's second book, Flip the Script. Um, but basically to dial it just down into one line and then we'll break it down is the property had too many stories. It was too novel for our investors. And I'll tell you why. So one, it was in a market that we had never done a deal in Lansing, Michigan. So where Michigan state is two, it was a self storage facility. We had no experience in self storage. So it was over a thousand, uh, self storage units in Lansing, Michigan. Three, that's a big it was, facility. It was a big facility. And three, it was in an opportunity zone before opportunity zone saw the flood of capital that they did late December, early January, because the second tranche or sorry, the final tranche of regulations had not come out yet. So those three things really, really put our backs up against the wall for raising the capital for that project. So I, I think what we, it's just, it's a stellar facility. Um, but I think there was too many stories. We we're also going after it in November and December, which, you know, you get into the holiday season and that's sometimes difficult. Uh, but we, we learned a lot on that property to say, look, you know, we're going to bring the marketplace properties and projects that one, we have the ability to talk through our experience on, but two, that they're not too novel. They don't have too many storylines because you'll, you can have one story, but you can't, you can't get people around two or three awesome stories, right? You need to make your deal vanilla, but it needs to have one topping on top. That's it. We had three toppings on top and I wouldn't even say we had a vanilla deal. It was probably more like a chocolate deal. And so, you know, the, the number one ice cream out there, this because I just love ice cream, is still vanilla. There's over 3,000 flavors out there in the world. But the number one, 97% of people still buy vanilla ice cream. And so I learned the hard way. And what we did was we continued to extend that contract. Every time we extended was another $50,000 hard. And so we extended three times. So we lost over $150,000, not to mention plane rides out to, to Lansing, Michigan, time yeah. spent out there. I mean, all of it, due diligence costs, you name it. And so um, I've, I've really just, you know, siphoned in what we're focused on. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to do a self-storage deal, but it needs to be in Missouri. It needs to be in Kansas, one of those two, somewhere I can drive to. And it can't be um, too novel for our investors because um, we learned a lot um, about, you know, trying to tell too many stories on that deal. So that's, and, that's a little And you need to call me. That's right. So I could have helped you get it done. (laughs) I know you could have, and and it's still an awesome deal, but now the opportunity zone pieces is out of the window because of they started their leasing. I mean, extra space was the manager operator. I mean, it was, it was perfect, but 
golly it just the timing and the stories of it was just yeah. too too hard so yeah well, get, uh, on that one too you can uh get uh get my book man and let's let's have some chats on on self-storage stuff and we can awesome. help you out because it, it's funny because people you know honestly this is why i have podcasts too because i meet people that have amazing things and we can connect and you talked about your network and building yes. out your network and you know this is i i don't know about you but that's the principal reason i do podcasts i Same can here. meet people like you and that's right I, right now i got a deal in kansas city and i'm like Hey, when I come down there, we should meet up, right? And Absolutely. so all of a sudden it starts elevating who you know, how you knew, you get more opportunity and you get to meet people with the same mindset. You have so much in common, you jive, yep. it makes life funner and better. So when you I talk got a self storage deal for you too. Well, now we're talking, see? <laughs> <laughs> and so when you when you look at these things, it like you said before, when you went to meetups, I, I can't even tell you how important that is. A lot of people that listen to our podcast know my co-host, Rock, who does goes when we're not doing interviews. Um, we met at a meetup. We sure. own three companies together, yep. and we're killing it, right? Yeah, and absolutely. When it's, I just can't over-exaggerate over that importance. And, so I, important. and I talk to people, and I'm going to ask you the same question here in a minute. I've kept you for an hour already. But I, wanna, I, I, got, I got a question for you because, yeah. for me, the number one thing that has always stopped me and I believe stopped others is pride. And this network effect is the absolute pinnacle of pride. I can do it yep. myself. Like, sure. no, you can't. So yeah. got to get rid of that idea, first of all. But when yep. I meet people like that, it's like it's almost for, – for me, it's hopeless because I can't yep. change that. I can't help you. And two, I don't want to do deals with you. I don't want to right. work with you because I know it's going to be about you. And that doesn't work for people. And it right. doesn't work in investing. So this, if I can help you, you can help others. People, figure out how you can do that with other people. My, I'm, I Absolutely. try to do it with the podcast. I try to bring on amazing people you know, for you guys to hear or listen. Figure what you can give to other people and start using that in the network effect to lift you up. Your story is a perfect example of it. And look at the success you've had. You identified where you were yep. good at. You identified the talents that needed to be cultivated that could become strengths. And then how do I put those, as the parable goes, into the market that will produce interest that's right and help and create uh, opportunities and benefits for other people and that's how Absolutely. you led success right a lot of people think that success is if i had the money or if i if i had a rich uncle or some weird things that are propagated by media or movies that i don't sure. understand and that's just not true no. you are the pathway of success everybody listen to this just go back to the first and listen back against the story. You had trials, you had tribulations, you failed, you made yep. bad mistakes. Mm -hmm. None of that matters. That's the process. That's right. And so I, I, I love it, man. This has been just an absolutely amazing podcast. Um, I, 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 I love what you're doing out there. You're killing it, and you're not letting Thank things you. hold you back. It's fantastic. So before we go, though, I want you to answer um, the question – what do you think? What's your personal opinion that makes people successful and what makes them fail? And then tell us about your next moves, where you're going. Sure. Yeah, I think the I, I have to go back to 
the, the self-awareness piece that makes people successful. And, and it's not something sexy that people want to know, uh, you know, or hear. you want to hear the, the shiny object, but I mean, having the ability to be introspective, understand who you are and what you are bringing to other folks and being able to be more of that is super important because everybody talks about burnout. Everybody talks about motivation and all of that there. I mean, motivation is, is a fickle thing. What's really important is inspiration, being in spirit, because when the times do get tough, you know, I don't want to wake up at 4am every single day. I have a 17 month old and another baby boy going to be here soon. I don't want to be up at 4am, but I know, and I'm inspired to get up because of what I'm working towards. And so um, you have to be super self-aware, understand what's going on inside of this, you know, little brain that we've got here in between our, our head, because if you can master that, you can master anything, but until you do, it's not, you're not going to be able to get past yourself. So that's, I think that's what makes people successful um, for the long haul, right? Okay. You I got, I got to stop you. Cause yeah, that I, I, I just do, I a hundred, I'm right on board there with you. Yeah. Um, self introspection leads you to understanding the opportunities that you're going to have. That's not, it's the world don't, because this comes back to, you weren't sitting around waiting for the world to give you something that's you right. turned into yourself and figured out what do I have and what do I need to do to make yep. something out of the world? Absolutely. That is such an admirable quality. I love it. I'm, I'm, I, I come from a family of farmers, right? Yep. We were sheep yep. herders, potato farmers, things like yep. that. And it wasn't what people were going to do for us. It was, you get up, that's right. you go do the work. And that's how my go family was. It's everything. And my dad went in insurance. So I didn't grow up, you know, in that lifestyle, and but that's the mode. Yeah. You, you work and then you receive it's not yes. before. And this introspection part is exactly that. And then two, I also love what you said here on, um, this, I, idea of motivation, um, cause I, I believe this motivation doesn't work, but inspiration plus purpose. There you go. And inspiration and purpose, same thing that works. I know that I have a purpose. I know what I'm doing and that keeps me going every single day, all day long. It makes me excited because I'm achieving yep. the goals that are my purpose. And two, I think that a lot of people miss out. These are two sided, two sides of the same coin. Once you do your introspection, you understand your purpose and your inspiration That's right. that creates you know, in, in words that creates a satisfied person that creates confidence and that creates also that tear down, tears down pride. You got yes. on here and our podcasts reach, what are we about 10,000 people uh, a month? It's, it's not wow. ginormous, not, but it's, it's, you know, I got yeah. some people that listen. Yeah, it's, you it's, do. I'm, we're, we want to be hundreds of thousands, but you just got yeah. on here and told people about how you lost 150,000, how you were fired, how you yeah. didn't get the draft. And yep. if you look at what you spent time on, we spent 10 minutes on your success. Yep. That's right. Look at that, people. It's awesome. Okay. I'm sorry. I just, you're getting me so excited. You're getting me carried away. I just love, love what you're saying. So, um, uh, keep going now. Talk about yeah. what, what's the biggest thing that holds people back and what makes people fail. Yeah. You know, I've, so this is an interesting concept that I think I've, I've started to really understand and be able to communicate well, but there's this big notion that everybody, you know, that 
that's working a W-2 job that doesn't like it. You know, they hear these uh, gurus say, quit your job and, and go, you know, be an entrepreneur. Okay, well, first off, read Entrepreneur Roller Coaster by Darren Hardy, because if you don't read that book and you go into business with yourself with no experience, it's going to be very, very difficult. So, I, you know, he says that 90% of businesses fail, small businesses fail. And I don't think it's, it's not a competency issue. It's an issue that you don't have product market fit and you don't have, you haven't solved for the challenges that uh, you're already going through. So let me, let me step back. So read that book. It's incredible. But also there's usually one, maybe two things in people's lives that are really holding them back. They might be holding on to the past. They might be not being able to get past a limiting belief. It could be one of those two things. It could be a number of, of other things. Until you go make the big jump, take the big action, you know, make the big change, solve for that first eliminate that major roadblock for your life. Maybe it's money. You're starting a business that, you know, you're not going to be cash flow positive for six months. Don't just quit your job with zero reserves. All that's going to do is make more stress for yourself. So what I've been telling folks to do and, and helping folks, I was like, okay, well, let's work through what's holding you back right now. What are you most afraid of? Because most of the time it's somebody that's not willing to, to face their fears that they can't get past them. And so we mitigate that. So if it's money, great. If it's health, great. If it's a relationship, great. If it's something in your past, great. Let's take six months. Let's solve for that. While we're solving for that, you can make little steps to make that big jump into the next leap. And, and so when I relate it back to my story, I had been reading personal professional development for six years before I started my, my journey into entrepreneurship. I had been through losing uh, you know, a, uh, my father, losing 120 pounds, not making the NFL. I had already been through stuff that was, was holding me back per se. I had been at rock bottom. And so I was so thankful and grateful when I made the jump to start start my business and be a real estate entrepreneur that I had already hit that point. Many folks, my wife included, this is a, a very sobering moment the other day. She said, Logan, I've never experienced loss in my life. I don't know how I'm going to experience that. I don't know what the feeling is like. And thankfully, I was there to comfort her through that, that emotion. But many people, they haven't been through something difficult. They haven't been through a really, really hard time. And so you don't want to just illuminate something that's not fixed or something that's broken. You need, to, you need to mitigate that before you go make a very stressful jump, because if you don't, your, it, your, your success rate's going to be really, really low. So that's kind of been one thing, AJ, that I've, I've said that I, I think is a really good um, opportunity for people to be thinking through. I love that. That's just awesome, man. Um, all right, real quick here. Tell everybody what, where you're going, your next moves, what, what your goals are, and then two, tell everybody where they can find you. Where, where, where do people go to, to learn more about what you're doing? Absolutely. So, you know, during the coronavirus, a lot of folks were sitting on the sidelines and um, we, we always say that there's, you know, you shouldn't waste a good recession. And so while people were sitting on the sidelines, we were making big moves. We were hiring people. We were doubling down on marketing. So our, our business has almost doubled in the last three to four months. And so as know, mine, I, yes. I'm under contracts and on, on more deals right now than I have been in probably the last two years combined. Exactly. I mean, the last 30 days, we've closed on over $12 million worth of real estate in Kansas City. And we have four new properties under contract with two that are going to be hopefully today, I haven't checked my phone. So that would make it six 
I can't count six <laughs> properties yeah, that would yeah. be now under contract during COVID. So we are just taking uh, good returns on our market rate multifamily properties that are undervalued in the asset class because nobody else is bidding us up and we're just illuminating that. So we've been really, really strong on, on acquisitions right now. So that's, that's where we're going. I okay. Think we'll uh, hold on just real quick. I, I want to Absolutely. mention something because there's, you, you mentioned you never, uh, you know, people, and I hear this a lot and I, and it's just such a lack of fundamental and I, and I want to bring it up because this is important to people. A lot of people are like, you're taking advantage of a bad situation and that's not actually true at all. It's the people, it's people like you and other companies that actually save the bad situation because what happens in bad situation is nobody wants to buy. Nobody wants to hire. Nobody wants to do anything. It's perpetuates the problem. So Blackstone is actually largely credited with saving massive neighbors and neighborhoods and falling prices of housing in the in the united states because in the heart of the recession when everybody was losing their homes they went out and bought the most homes that anyone's ever bought in the history of the world and they are the largest homeowners and they created a floor because they created demand when there was none so that's right if you were in a neighborhood where your house was losing 15% 15% equity almost monthly, it seemed like at times, yep. you know. Um, and Blackstone walked in and started buying up uh, homes. These, as people were calling them, vultures, started yep. buying up homes in your neighborhood. What they actually did is they stopped falling prices. So you can thank those vultures for not losing, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. Absolutely. Um, and that's, you know, one of the things that we view. It's now's the time for the people that should be taking action they need yep. to jump in. They need to create a floor in the economy. That's right. So, tangent, Absolutely. but I, I think it's awesome. Continue. Sorry. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we'll be um, at a thousand units by the end of the year, which is super exciting. Um, so we're, we're going to just continue to, to go along that path. Uh, if anybody is interested in reaching out to me, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So Logan Freeman on LinkedIn, but my website is livefreeinvestments.com. You can reach out to me directly there. I saw three or four people um, reached out to me today and I'll be reaching out to them to set, to set some calls up with. So um, that's my website, livefreeinvestments.com. Awesome. And your Instagram is just Logan Freeman. It's at live free investments. Oh, live free investments, Logan Freeman. Boom. Popped up right yep. there. Okay. Um, there we go. And follow nailed it. Awesome. I'll follow <laughs> you back. <laughs> so, Hey man, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Um, this was, this was a great talk, dude. This uh, has been awesome. Man. Yeah. You, you, this has uh, juiced me up for the rest of the day. I'll th- tell you that. That's much. how I am too. I love doing podcasts in the morning. Cause I'm ready to go out and hit it. You got, you got the juices flowing. I'm already thinking of things that I can apply throughout the yep. day. Um, during your best seller. I mean, come on, man. I, I know what a great weekend. <laughs> Amazing. So, but anyways, Hey, seriously, thanks. I appreciate it. And, um, thank and, you. And we will, we will definitely have you back. I can't wait to hear about your success and all the moves you're making because you will definitely have stories to tell. So thanks so much for having me. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.